Galatians 5. And I need to keep it brief. And the reason why I need to keep it brief is I saw the nursery and how many kids are in that nursery. <laughs> and the workers back there. And it's like my wife, who, who often works in the nursery, she would always tell me many times, keep it brief, Pastor Joe. Keep it brief. Or else, you know. <laughs> and so I don't want to have to walk down that gauntlet if I preach too long. With those nursery workers, they're going to throw all those little children at me, you know. But uh, make sure you thank the nursery workers and the youth workers because they do a tremendous job with your kids, all right? So make sure you thank them because they're being a blessing and serving so that you can be here and, and hear the word without a lot of distraction. So Galatians 5, uh, we're going to start in verse 16. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. So it says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, Paul speaking here. He says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Real quick, do you have desires of the flesh, yes or no? Yes, be honest, don't lie in church, okay? Does your flesh have sinful desires, desires? Absolutely. Notice what it says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. There's this conflict, he says, with each other. So they are not to do Whatever you want. There's this conflict going on. It's a spiritual battle. He says, but, I like this, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And the acts of the flesh are obvious. What are the acts of the flesh? What are these, what, what happens if we let ourselves go and we just go over to the dark side, so to speak? We allow our flesh to just have reign without the Spirit controlling us. Notice what he says will happen. The acts of the flesh are very obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions. Notice dissensions and fractions, you know, fighting and arguing and all of these things. He says, and envy and drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those, listen to what he says, strong words here, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, if it says that there's, there's things that can, can hinder us from inheriting the kingdom of God, this must be pretty important. Would you agree with me? I don't know about you, is the kingdom of God important to you, yes or no? Is the kingdom of God important to us? Absolutely. Let's be honest. That's why we're here today, right? Because the kingdom of God is important to us. That's why you're here or maybe you're watching online. Because the kingdom of God is important to you. That is important. And by the way, that's eternal. It's very important. And so these are serious words. The kingdom of God is huge. It's important. That's why we took time out of our busy lives and busy schedules. That's why many of you got up this morning and made an effort, a a true effort. And I want to commend you for doing that. And God will bless you for doing that because the kingdom of God is at stake. Amen. And so he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Notice what the fruit of the spirit is. Love, joy. Peace, forbearance. We're going to speak on this word in just a moment. Kindness. We're going to jump right into kindness in a moment. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He says these are the, the manifestations or the fruit of those who are being led by the Spirit, who are allowing the Spirit to guide and lead them. 
We're going to speak for a few moments this morning on this manifestation of the fruit of kindness. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would bless your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, for each one who has made an effort, who has set time aside to to hear your word. For truly, the kingdom of God is, is important. The kingdom of God is important to each one that is here. That's why they took the time and the energy and they're here this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in our lives, that, Lord, we would, we would truly look at our own lives and, and do some inventory and, and, and ask ourselves, am I being led by the Spirit or am I allowing the flesh to control and dictate my life? And so, Lord, may we be led by the Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit, and may we manifest, Lord, these fruits of the Spirit And as we look at this very important one today, kindness, oh, how important kindness is. I pray that, Lord, that, Lord, please, that we would demonstrate kindness, Lord, as the Spirit moves and works in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me read a couple quotes for you. Kindness. Mark Twain said this, kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Bob Carey said this, unexpected kindness is the most powerful, least costly, and most underrated agent of human change. Aesop, a Greek uh, kind of, uh, if you will, storyteller said this, no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Obviously, Jesus taught kindness. The Bible commands it, and we see it here in the Scriptures. We'll look at Jesus as an example in a moment, but kindness can go a long way. I wanted to put a picture up here. I don't know if any of you saw this this past week. If you put up the picture from the Little League World Series, maybe some of you saw this video. But there was a picture of of two boys hugging. I don't know if if she's got it up there. There you go. And I want to speak on this subject and just kind of leave this here We'll look at some different scriptures, but we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to see kindness. And uh, how many of you did see it or hear something about it or didn't? didn't? So uh, I'd encourage you this week to maybe just look it up and watch, but I'll just give you the brief synopsis of what this picture is all about. It was during uh, the Little League World Series playoffs to get to the World Series. It was a Southwest Regional that was taking place down in Texas. And there was a, pic- a picture... His name is uh, Caden Shelton. Shelton was the pitcher, was the first inning. There was the batter, and that's uh, the batter is the the boy in in the blue. That's Isaiah Jarvis. He is from Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was the first inning. It was already a couple runs scored by both teams. But in in the first inning, Jarvis is up to the plate, and the pitcher, you know, threw a hard fastball, and it went high and tight, and literally. Shelton almost hit him in the face. It literally caught just the earpiece and knocked his helmet off and he went to the ground and laid on the ground for a little over a minute. Of course, the crowd, everyone was, I mean, gasped and everyone, you know, was concerned. And thankfully, he was okay. It didn't hit him in the chin, didn't hit him in the face, and he was okay. And so, Isaiah Jarvis gets up and everyone claps and cheers and he walks over to first base. Caden Shelton, the pitcher, felt so terrible, 
and was distraught and upset that he, he couldn't continue to pitch. He kind of just stood on the mound and he was tearing up and he was in tears. And the most powerful thing happened, that is this, is that on first base, Isaiah Jarvis takes off his helmet, kind of tosses it, and he walks out to the mound and he just embraces him. Here's the picture. And he gives him a hug. And I don't know everything that was said, but he basically said, you got this, you got this, dude, let's go. Basically, keep playing, let's go. The stadium went crazy, standing ovation. I mean, tears, parents crying, tears. Of course, the announcers made a big deal about this, which it is a big deal, because one act of kindness can go a long ways. And he went back to first base, the game went on, and Jarvis's team actually lost and uh, the other team is now playing in the World Series. By the way, you know what they did? They invited Jarvis and they said, you're going to be an honorary guest at the World Series. And so he's there at the Little League World Series and he's being honored. Can I just say this? In a year or two from now, no one will remember who won the Little League World Series. Very few people will remember who won, who lost the Little League World Series. But everyone will remember one act of kindness, would you agree? Kindness is free. Kindness most of the time costs us nothing, but it has tremendous impact. This young man set a tremendous example to all of us. You know what I thought about, and it's such a blessing that they're highlighting this and showing this, but you know what really hit me is this, is that our world is so desperate for kindness that it takes examples like this from 12-year-old children to inspire us that we could use a lot more kindness in this world. Would you agree with that? We could use a whole lot more kindness. We are called as followers of Jesus Christ and a child of God to be kind. In fact, it is is one of the, the things that the Bible says that God is, that God is kind. And that as followers of Christ, obviously Jesus Christ was kind, and we'll see that in a moment. But the Bible tells us that one of the, the things about God, one of his characteristics is that God is kind. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 4. We'll put it up here for you. But Romans 2, 4 says this. Paul says, or do you show contempt for the riches, speaking of God, of his kindness, his forbearance or long-suffering, if you will, and his patience, not, really, not realizing, listen to these words, that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God, one of his characteristics is that he is kind. And if we say that we love God and we have God in us, and if we say that we're a follower of God and that we're a follower of Jesus Christ, then that characteristic should be real in our lives, that we should be kind. That we should treat other people the way that we want to be treated. When Jesus was here, what did he teach? We call it the golden rule, right? What did Jesus teach? In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, treat others the way that you would would want to be treated. Listen, let's be honest. We want to be treated with kindness, amen? And so we must be sowing seeds of kindness. Jesus Christ was probably the great example here on earth of one who was kind. The Bible says this. The Bible says that Jesus was the expressed image of God the Father. The Bible says it like this. If you want to know what what God is like, look at Jesus. 
If you want to, to know the Father, Jesus said, if, you, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And so as Jesus lived here on this earth, the Bible says he went about doing good. Jesus was a man of kindness in a world that was filled with hate. Jesus was under great strain and, and stress. As he began to go and perform the miracles and to do his works, they began, the throngs would, would crowd him. When you think about the life and ministry of Jesus, one of the things I would say is this, that he was just kind. When people would mob him and, and want, them to, want him to heal them, he would heal them. You know, you may, you may have never thought about this, but you know, the Bible says that, that there were times multitudes, that they would feed feed 5,000, feed 4,000 men, but that didn't include women and children. There were multitudes of 30 and 40,000 people that would gather and Jesus would speak to them, but it says this, that they would line up one by one and he would heal them. And that they were there for days. In one of the Gospels, the Bible tells us that they were there for two, three days and many of them had not eaten and out of kindness, Jesus said, we need to feed them. And they said, well, what do we have? And they said, we have just a few loaves and a few fishes to feed them with. And Jesus said, bring them to me. And Jesus prays and breaks and of course he performs a miracle and he feeds the multitudes. But what was happening during that time? The Bible tells us that one by one they would line up and Jesus would heal them. Do you know, think about it like this. Think about this just for a minute. Do you know that Jesus could have just said one word or Jesus could have spoke to all of them and said, all of you are healed of whatever ailment, you're all healed. But you know what Jesus did? One by one, he saw each one. It, it reveals to us the heart of Christ that he was demonstrating kindness and that touch that he wanted to have a personal touch in each one of their lives. It would have been much easier for Jesus just to say one word, y'all healed, two words. If you're down south, maybe it's one word, y'all healed, you know. He could have just done that and they all would have been healed. But Jesus demonstrated kindness and love and compassion. And one by one, think about the demand. Think about how exhausting that must have been. And he healed them. He fed them. He walked and he traveled and people mobbed him. There were times when he was exhausted, the Bible says, that Women and children would come, and what did the disciples do? Say, get them away, get them away, get them away from Jesus. And Jesus said, no, let the little children come unto me. The Bible says Jesus picked them up into his arms, the little children, he held them, and he blessed them. Many people miss this, but the blessing was something that the father would, would give to his children. I believe many times that these were women who were single moms, and widows who were looked down upon by the culture and the society. And the disciples said, get away from him, leave him alone. And Jesus was kind to the single mom and to the widows and these children who didn't have a father to give blessing. And the Bible says he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. Do you see the kindness of Jesus? How kind he was. I think about a woman who was caught in adultery and the people came and brought rocks and stones and wanted to stone her. And Jesus, in his kindness, he reveals their own sins and he says, I will not, I will not cast the first stone. He says, go and sin no more, but he was kind. By the way, the church could use a whole lot more kindness, amen? 
the church gets a pretty bad reputation because honestly, the church many a times, I say church in, as a whole, is oftentimes not very kind. The church is the only army many a times that kills its own wounded. Instead of helping those who are hurt and helping them like the good Samaritan, you know what we often do? When someone stumbles, when someone falls, when someone sins, we cast them out. We say that you are not good enough. God help us. That is not the God that I find in the Bible. Somebody say amen. He restores Jesus healed those who oftentimes did not deserve healing. I have a whole sermon, maybe some Thanksgiving I'll preach it, but it's entitled, Where Are the Nine? But Jesus one time had ten leprous men come to him, and they said, Oh, Lord Jesus, heal us. Master, heal us. Have compassion on us and heal us. And Jesus was kind, and Jesus, being God, already knew what was going to happen, but he healed ten ten of them. He healed ten The Bible says that they ran, and as they were running, they were healed. And when they saw their healing, the Bible says one of them, only one of them who who saw his healing, came to this place that he was grateful and he was thankful. And he came back to Jesus, and he fell on his face, and he thanked him. And Jesus said, go, you're restored, go, you're whole. But it's interesting, Jesus said, where are the other nine? Were there not ten that I healed? Jesus is good at math, by the way, too. He says, were there not ten that I healed? Where's the other nine? Why would they not at least come back and be appreciative and be grateful and be thankful? But Jesus in his kindness, even though he knew that they wouldn't be appreciative and they wouldn't be thankful and they even wouldn't bring glory to God, Jesus in his kindness healed them anyway. I think one of the greatest examples of the kindness of Jesus is when Jesus is on the boat. Maybe you remember the story in the Gospels as Jesus is on the boat and he says, we're going to go to the other side. Numerous times this happened, but this time Jesus is in the boat. And Jesus, the Bible says, was laying on a pillow and he fell asleep in the boat and a great storm came. Kind of like the ones that we've been having around here, you know. In this great storm and the thunder and the lightning. And these seasoned veterans who lived on the Sea of Galilee. They worked the Sea of Galilee. This was an unusual storm because they were, they were in essence, fishermen. And really sailors, if you will. And they, this is what they did for their livelihood. And they were in this boat and this storm came. There's a whole message behind it. But this storm came upon them. And they were terrified and they were fearful. But what is Jesus doing? Jesus is sleeping there in the boat. You know, I've done some extensive research, extensive study. I've studied the scholars. And I'm going to tell you something. You want to know something? You know why Jesus was asleep? There's a a really good reason for it. He was tired, let me tell you. (laughs) He was tired. Just like you and I get tired, Jesus got tired and Jesus was exhausted and he has been healing and doing all these works and Jesus was exhausted and he was asleep and he was taking his power nap. And while the storm came, Jesus was at peace. Jesus was sleeping. He was sleeping through the storm and his disciples got angry. They got upset. Do you remember this story? And they get to a point where they wake up Jesus. Now, let me tell you all something. If you wake me up from my power nap, Unexpected. I am not the kindest person on the planet, let me tell you. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? 
Sometimes my wife will walk into the room and somehow she can sense I'm a little cranky. She's like, did somebody wake you up from your nap? I'm like, how did you know? (laughs) How did you figure that out? You know, when you wake up someone unexpectedly, you know, you get like your heart starts rate, you know, and they don't, you know, oftentimes don't see the best of you. And here they wake Jesus up. And when they wake him up, they say this, don't you even care? Don't you even care about us, Jesus? Now, to you and I, you might think that you might, we might say, oh, that's just, you know, no. Don't you care, Jesus? I mean, Jesus could have said a lot of things at that moment. One, you woke him up from a nap. and He's tired. And although he was God, he was still flesh, but he was completely submitted to the spirit. Amen. And Jesus was kind. He says, oh, you guys of little faith. And he says to the storm, stop, peace, be still. And the, the sea stops. And they're like, whoa, <laughs> you know. He doesn't yell at them and scream at them and rebuke them. I mean, he does say, hey, you guys, you need to grow in your faith. You need to grow up. But can you imagine saying to Jesus, don't you care about us? How did Jesus respond? Think about this. Jesus did care. He came. He left heaven. He came to earth. He's exhausted. He's living. He's pouring out his heart, his soul, his life. And in a a short time, he's going to pour out his blood and die for them. And they have the nerve to say to Jesus, don't you care about us? And he could have said a lot of things. He didn't say anything. He was kind. In the garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers came, Peter takes out a sword and cuts off the ear of a man named Malchus, right? Cuts off his ear. These men are coming to take Jesus, to have him eventually crucified. And Jesus knows this. And what does Jesus do? He picks up the ear. Wow, can you imagine being there? And puts it on and heals it. I bet you at the end of the day, Malchus felt like about that big, you know? Wow. Kindness. The scripture commands kindness. Just a few quick passages. Look at Colossians chapter 3. This is a command for all of us. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved. Let me ask you something. Are you God's chosen people? Say it. Yes or no? Yes? Yes. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you in the family of God? Then he's speaking to you and I. He says, holy and dearly loved. You are dearly loved. Don't forget that. No matter what you do, you are dearly loved by God Almighty. Notice what he says. Clothe yourselves with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. We'll speak about that in just a moment. If any of you have grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord Forgave you. But he says this. I like the way he says this. He says, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves. Put on kindness. Put on compassion. You know what that tells me? That compassion and kindness, we're speaking of kindness, kindness is a choice. Are you with me? Make sense? Let me ask you something. How many of you Picked out what you put on today, at least somewhat. Or your wife picked it out for you. How many of you 
You clothed yourself today, correct? I'm thankful you did, by the way, you know, (laughs) just saying. You clothed yourself today. You put on, the idea is to put it on. He says, put on compassion, put on kindness. And, you know, he says, clothe yourself with these things. By the way, too many Christians are more concerned about what they look externally. And what he's saying is, Put on kindness, put on compassion, put on these things. Be just as concerned about those things. Because they'll make you beautiful in Christ, amen? When you're filled with kindness and compassion. But you know, the idea is, I really believe that there is a choice. You know, I chose which, which pants to wear, which shirt to wear. And hopefully, uh, I, I chose wisely, you know. I chose which shoes to put on, my little hey dudes, you know. And I put those on, and they're comfortable. By the way, they are like house slippers. I love them. They're amazing. I feel like I could just take a nap right now, you know? They're like, they're amazing. How many of you have ever worn one, ever had a pair? Aren't they awesome? Aren't they amazing? Now, I wouldn't try pushing your car in them or anything like that. I had to get used to them. I'm like, they're really slippery. But I chose to put them on this morning. That's what I chose. Now, some of you are like, I don't like what you chose, Pastor Joe. Well, that's none of your business, amen? Because I could talk a lot about what I see, too, you know? My wife's saying, I think in your old age, you're starting to get colorblind. I'm like, oh, gee, thanks. Basically, what she's saying is, I don't approve of, of your color choices there. Or my wife will say things like, we need to broaden your like, color palette, you know? You're like grays and blacks, you know? I'm like, I know, I like those. I don't know what it is. And, uh, and then sometimes, my, or it's because my wife gave me this conscience, if I wear too much white, she's like, you know, you're bald, and you're really white, and it just, it just washes you out. <laughs> I'm like, I love you too, honey. Thank you. I just want to go out and charge, just charge life today, you know? Like, just can go out and embrace the world. Thank you. Or you need more than that. You need to broaden the colors, you know, where some of you guys just like your plaids. That's just it. You just got plaid. That's it. That's all. There's other colors out there. Won't name any names. But you chose what you put on. And oftentimes, let's be honest, we have a choice. Please listen, we're almost done, but listen to what I'm about to say. Oftentimes, we know in our own spirit as followers of Christ, we can respond with kindness or cruelty. We can, we can respond with, with kindness. Or oftentimes, we allow our flesh, and what do we do? We put on that ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> and it's not pretty. It's not kind. Listen to what Job says in Job 6.14. He says this in this little passage. Job, his friends came to him. Job's hurting. He's devastated. He lost his children. He's lost everything. He's, he's now sick and he's sitting in, the, in the, the garbage dump and he's scraping the boils off his body. He's broken. He's hurt. And he has three friends who come. And that's a whole other message, whole other story. But Job responds to them. He says, Is anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty? And listen to what he says. But my brothers are as undependable as the intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow when darkened by the thawing ice and and swollen with melting snow, but that stop flowing in the dry season and in the heat. They vanish from their channels. 
Listen to the, the imagery he gives here. Caravans turn aside from their routes. They go off into the wasteland and perish. The caravans of Tima look for water. The traveling merchants of Sheba look in hope. They are distressed because they had been confident they'd arrived there only to be disappointed. Now you too have proved to be no help. Wow. Job says you guys are terrible friends because they did not demonstrate kindness. Instead, all they did was bite and devour and pick and judge. And when Job was in his weakness, all he needed was a little bit of kindness. When Job was under the, the, the stress, when Job was, was going through his trial, his friends came and did not offer kindness. And he says, you're like that, that stream that, that looks really good. You know, it looks really good. You know, when the snow is melting and flows, but when then when people really, really need it, it's disappointment. In fact, they are led out to the stream to get hope, to get encouragement. And when they do, they're led out there to basically perish. And he says, you guys are the same way. Wow, Job tells his friends, you guys are terrible friends. And when you're not kind, you're in essence, basically saying, I really don't believe in the Almighty. What a beautiful imagery Job uses here of what it is to be a true friend, what it is to to demonstrate kindness, the importance of kindness. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll finish with this last passage, 29. Paul says to the church here, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve. He says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't throw a wet blanket on the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Notice what he says. Here's the command. Be kind. Notice that. Be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He says, be careful how you speak. Be careful the things that you say. In the context, the idea of wholesome talk and unwholesome talk is how you treat one another, what you say to one another. Words are powerful. You... uh, Proverbs says this, Solomon said in the Proverbs, he says, you have the power of life and death in your tongue. You can speak life into people or you can speak death. Our tongues are powerful. The things that we say are powerful. The words that we use are powerful. We can use them to build people up or we can literally tear people down. And he says, be careful while you use your words. Be careful the things that you say. And by the way, in the context, I think he's saying this too. Be careful how you say what you say. Well, I was telling them the truth. Speak the truth in what? Love. The Bible says to speak the truth in compassion with love. So how we say what we say is important. And Paul says here, he says, hey, be careful what you say. Be careful how you speak. And then he says this. He says, be kind to one another. Be kind and compassionate one toward another. 
He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Many of us are not living in the power of the Holy Spirit because what we have done is we've allowed ourselves to allow bitterness and anger and all of these things to creep into our lives. And one of the big ones, unforgiveness, to creep into our lives. And what do they do? They, they grieve the Holy Spirit and they quench the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, be kind. He says it's a command, be kind. And then in the context, I don't know if you noticed today, in Colossians and Ephesians, both times when Paul says to be kind, it's very interesting what's, what's attached to it. Did you catch it? What's attached to being kindness is this word, forgive. Forgive those who have grievances against you. I'm going to say something I think is, is so powerful if we just... And we know it, but please, please let this sink in. We know this, but I would say this, that I think probably one of the most kindest things that we could ever do is forgive. Forgive. Well, you don't know what they've done. Well, you don't know what they've said. And you don't know how they treated me. Forgiveness. I believe that it's the kindest offering that we could give someone. Can I just say it like this? Someday you're going to hurt someone or do something in a relationship and you're going to be the one that so desperately, so desperately desires to be forgiven. Be careful of the seeds that you sow because the Bible says, for whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Be careful of the seeds that you sow because you may reap a harvest. You know, the very forgiveness that you won't give may be the forgiveness that you desire someday from someone else. Jesus was a man, the Bible says, who was kind. Kind. It's interesting, he says, forgive others as Christ, what? Forgave you. You know that kindest thing that Jesus did for us? The kindest thing that God did for us is that while we were sinners, he still came and died for us. But here's the, here's the cool thing. He forgave us. When we come to him and we ask for his forgiveness, he forgives us. That's the kindest thing that anyone could ever do. Amen? You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he hung on the cross, and those who put him there, as they laughed and they mocked and they spit upon him, they literally had no regard for him and his life and who he was. They literally gambled over his garments. And Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is kindness. By the way, that one of act of kindness changed our eternity. Amen. Because if you call out to Christ, asking for him to forgive you, you know what he does? He forgives you. Amen. You see, the kindest thing that we can do is forgive those who've hurt us, forgive those who've done harm to us, to forgive them. Jesus demonstrated this being filled with the Spirit. He was so filled with the Spirit that he was kind to those that were not kind to him. And one of the kindest things that you and I can do is forgive, amen? But I don't know about you, but aren't you thankful that the Bible says that the kindness of, of God leads us to repentance. Amen.
that it's his kindness, that because of his kindness and his love and his compassion for us, that he is willing to forgive us all that we have done, that we simply call out to him and we say, Father, God, Father, forgive me. And you know what he does? He forgives us. That is the, that is the epitome of kindness because let's be honest, we don't deserve it. You know, that's kind of what kindness is. Kindness is not just doing something good to people who necessarily deserve it. Kindness is, is beyond that. It's, it's treating others the way that we'd want to be treated, even if they're not treating us the way that we want to be treated. Kindness is saying that I'm not going to retaliate and I'm not going to, you know, hurl stones back at you. I'm going to be kind and I'm going to drop these stones that I picked up that I was about to throw at you. It's a choice. Amen? It's a choice. My challenge for all of us is to live and follow the example that Jesus Christ set for us. Amen? That we be filled with the Spirit. And as we're filled with the Spirit, we will demonstrate acts of kindness that it oozes out of us. That when we're woke up from our power nap, we're kind. I got to work on that one. But when we have the Spirit dwelling within us, this should be coming out of us. Amen? As followers of God, may we be kind. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted what? Say it with me. Forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's stand together and have a word of prayer.